our purpose here in this portion of the service is to listen to God's word and uh, talk about it um, for for a bit. And so we're we're in Matthew still, Matthew 16, verses 21 through 26, and. Uh, This is God's word to you this morning. So from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever whoever would save his life will lose it. But... Whoever, his, who, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the joy in life found in self-denial. And there's a lot of joy to be found in self-denial, and it seems counterintuitive, um, but that that you would pray with me right now as we sit in a moment of silence, that God would show you that this is, uh, this is actually the joy-filled path, what Jesus just shared with us. So let's pray. Oh, Father, it's, so, it's just such a wonderful thing to come back into the presence of your people because we are reminded of what we've sung already, that you are good. And I'm reminded of uh, saints that have come before us that have testified to your goodness in hard spots in their life. Um, and they, they testify, Lord, uh, in, the darkest, in the darkest hour. It's when you shine the brightest. And so in essence, uh, Christianity is about your son, um, not losing, and that his losing is through death. Um, it's through the hardship that he gains the victory of the human heart, that he captures us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would capture the hearts of your people yet again this morning, and that you would speak by the Holy Spirit so tenderly to your people, so gently, so kindly, and I know that you will. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so we've been talking about um, the, the gospel is the announcement of a new change in power, that a new king has come into the world, and the purpose of Jesus coming into the world is to literally mend everything, to restore and reconcile everything in himself. like a mag- He's like a magnet for the cosmos, that everything gets rejuvenated in him, comes alive in him, resurrects in him, re- reconciles all of the beauty in and of his creation in his very body. And then he, what we learned last week, is that he gives that power to people, 
And he calls those people the church, the called out ones. Now, the, the very confusing thing to everyone in the Gospels, and it's still confusing to us 2,000 years later, is that the way in which Jesus does that, the way in which he transforms all things, is through suffering. Physical, mental, emotional suffering. If you read the Gospels, even as a, if you've never ever read the Gospels to begin with, and you read them, that's the thing that confuses everybody. That he was on his path, in our text, this is a turning point in the Gospel of Matthew, this is where he sets his face to go to Jerusalem, and he says, look y'all, at Jerusalem, I'm going to die on a Roman crucifix. This thing right here. That's not like a symbol of like joy in the first century. That is a symbol of losing all credibility, all authority. That's a symbol of losing in every way. And Jesus says, that's where I'm going. And then he further says in our passage, and that's where I want to take you. And so in our text, in the first section of our text, in verses 21 through 23, Peter, hearing this, decides to take Jesus aside. And remember, Jesus is the king, the Lord, and he begins to rebuke the Lord, which is an oxymoron. And one, one of the things that we learned last week that I really want us to kind of hone in on, you know, the, the statement of our church that I always want us to meditate on is that all of us are constantly, whether we're Christian or not, are constantly being changed and molded by the gospel so that the gospel is just as much for the Christian as it is the non-Christian. And the reason why that's important, you see it in our text, is that you can have a crystal clear view of who Jesus is. You can have a perfect articulation of the gospel and still completely misunderstand what it means to live it out in your life. And what it means that Jesus is going to get victory and how his victory is won. And so what happens in our text, in verses 21 through 23, is that Peter rebukes Jesus. And what the text says is that Satan was using Peter to coerce Jesus into avoiding the cross. Okay. Satan was using Peter to coerce Jesus into avoiding the cross. Jesus immediately sees what's happening, and then he rebukes Satan, which had captured, he had captured Peter. And what it, what, what it boils down to for us today is that when we seek to avoid the path of suffering, when we seek to avoid the own, our own crosses in our own life, um, and we don't rely on Jesus, that is when evil can overtake us, okay? That's what's happening in our text. And what I, wanna, what I want you to see in, in this text, and as you experience your own life, even now with the crosses that you face in your life, suffering is not just necessary, it's literally unavoidable. You're going to suffer. Bob Dylan says you got to serve somebody. And you're either going to serve yourself, or you're going to serve somebody else, or you're going to serve the Lord. But regardless, whatever you do in this life, it's going to require immense sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice for yourself or the other. You're either going to serve the interest of another or serve your own interest, and both require 
constant, constant sacrifice. And Jesus will show that this is the counterintuitive thing about the gospel of his kingdom is that the more you disadvantage yourself to advantage someone else, the more joy you will have. That's the concept of righteous living in Scripture. That the more you disadvantage yourself to advantage another, in the end, the more joy you will have. Now, I've known people, both in the church and outside the church, who have gone all in on following whatever they wanted to do in their, in their life. Pleasure. Like they went down the rabbit hole and they did not say no to themselves at all. And they said, they both, they both said, and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, <laughs> that at the end of that tunnel, at the, end, the very end of the tunnel, when you go as deep as you want to go, what actually wins, what's actually stronger than erotic love, erotic pleasure, what wins is sacrificial familial love. And the reason why that's important is because the gospel is captivating even to people who aren't following Jesus because they know instinctively in the end that if I just follow the life that I just want to live to its end, it's not actually as beautiful as a life that denies itself, that sets parameters and limits around itself. And the reason why that's the case is because even before sin was entering the world, there were parameters around human beings, even in perfection. There was limitations that we had. It's endemic to being a human being. And God, God put that in our lives to, to help us to have the instinct to say, um, you first with other people, or you first with God. And so he says, don't eat of this one tree. It's a self-denying command. And if you are a parent in this room, uh, this is, in essence, what we want with our children. We don't want our children to have like a scarcity mentality. We, want, we don't want them to fear that they won't have enough. And we are, I, I know in our family, we are very confused when we hear them use the, the phrase, mine, because what's, what's instinctive in that is that they, they want things for, for themselves and they want to make their lives the center of their, their desires, the center of their life. And, and part of raising children is to get them to see that, like, hey, you're, you're not the center of this world. You're not even the center of your life. You're meant to face outwards. You're meant to move through this life with the joy that you do have enough and that God does love you and therefore you can open your hands. You can sacrifice. And that's part of what Jesus is teaching the disciples here. And y'all know this translates into adulthood. It just morphs itself, and we can hide it better, right? The scarcity mentality. And what Jesus is slowly teaching the disciples over and over and over again is that, hey, guys, um, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be delivered over to people that are going to kill me, and then I'll rise again. But if you want to come after me, that's the pattern of your life now too. And he's 
slowly teaching them over and over and over again. And he's so kind and he's so patient. Now, if you, if any of you struggle with addiction in this room, you kind of intuitively understand passages like this better than others. Because, uh, you know, the first time, you know, if uh, I'm going to say something right now, but it, this is just a genius thing that my father taught me. Um, I had a pack of cigarettes that fell out of my bag once uh, when I was in high school. And he didn't say anything. He was genius. He didn't say anything. And then like maybe a couple of years later, I don't even know if you remember saying this. Dad, if you remember this and you're watching this, you may not remember this. But he said, hey, son, um, you, you smoking more and enjoying it less? <laughs> and that's the thing with, with addiction. Um, when you first get a hold of something, what your body and, and your mind, your heart does is you're like, oh, this, like, this is, this is going to give me uh, joy. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to satiate something in me. And so, you know, smoking may not be your thing. Maybe it may be drinking, maybe checking your bank account, maybe sitting down and eating a whole tub of ice cream, watching Netflix. Not saying that I've ever done that. Um, and like at first, what happens is like uh, I, I can escape my what, whatever I'm dealing with in, in this life. It helps. And then if you go back to it, what begins to happen is that there's a diminishing result of pleasure over time. And, and if you continue to go back, what begins to happen is that what you once consumed, and you feel it in your body, you feel it in your soul, what you once consumed begins to consume you. And then you go back to the thing, and you know it's not going to give you any joy, but you feel like you have to. Keep going back, keep going back, keep going back, so that the pleasure, and this is the work of the devil, the devil doesn't want you to have any pleasure. He wants you to, he wants you to do the thing without getting any of the result that God actually intended for the good things in this world. And what's, what's happening right there is that your whole body and soul is denying the path of the gospel. It's denying the path of the cross, which says there's actually more joy and self-denial than immediate self-gratification. You're saying, I don't believe in the path of the cross, and therefore, I want to get this thing so that I don't have to do the pain, so I don't have to endure the pain. And it helps just a little bit at first, and then it slowly, slowly, slowly doesn't help at all, so that it becomes even more painful. So like Andy Crouch, he, he talks about this uh, on, a, on like a learning a skill type level. He's a musician, and he said, from the time that you sit down and learn the piano to the time you become pro proficient at the piano, and you can maybe ask Philip Zock about this, but um, there, there's a, a statistic that it takes about 10,000 hours of practice or self-denial to become proficient at a sport or a trade or, or an instrument. And Andy Crouch's point was, you, that takes about 20 years, by the way, <laughs> 10,000 hours. It's 20 years of self-denial, 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 self-discipline, no, saying no to your, to your immediate gratifications. And then he says, after about 20 years, about 10,000 hours, something flips. You become free. And he said, at that point, 
That's when the joy becomes endless. That's when the creativity becomes endless. And this is what Jesus is teaching you about the cross. That the way of the cross is the opposite of addiction. But here's, here's the thing. Jesus is the deepest hit in the world. Jesus is the thing that like you really want to consume. And it will satisfy you. He will satisfy you deeper than anything. And Andy Crouch said that after you get those 10,000 hours of self-denial in, the joy in creativity, it's limitless. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of, some of you have in this room, you have experienced the cross before your death. You've experienced things that are unspeakable, unbearable, and you know you know what we just sang. That the goodness of God is limitless for you. Because he made you go through it. And, and you found him to be worthy. You found him to be satiating in those moments. I, I've seen it. I've seen it in you. And so now you're free. For whatever cost that comes in the future. And so, what I want to say about this passage, you know, when you first read it, I was talking with the elders. We had a retreat over the weekend. And uh, Yinka Akinimi, one of the elders, he's like, I, th- this passage is confusing because sometimes Jesus is like, this is going to be really hard. And he's like, this, this is a, a, a burden that's light for you that I'm asking you to carry. And, it, and it's, it's both. And, and the reason why is because on the surface, you're like, this is one of the most challenging things that, that Jesus says. And it's true. But what he's stating is also just the way things are. That if you try to hold on to anything and you try to control it and you try to grasp it, you'll, you'll miss it. And the light way is to give your life up. To let go. Verse 11, 25, or verse 16, chapter 16, verse 25 I mean, just we could meditate on this for hours. If you try to save your life, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. And then Jesus says in 24, if you, if you come after me, if you want to come after me, know that there is death ahead. And he's not saying that to be cruel. He's saying that because it's true and that he loves you. And if you embrace that way of life, as C.S. Lewis says, there are new thrills cropping up all the time, all around you. But you've got to have eyes to see this kingdom. So I want you to begin to think about your own life because you are making sacrifices right now. You are. And you know this even if you don't believe in Jesus. The, the sacrifices, if you just think about it, the sacrifices that don't give you an immediate return are actually, in the end, the ones that bring you the most joy. A child, some of you mothers out there, <laughs> all you do is give and give and give, and then you give some more, and then you give a little more, 
and then you keep giving. And then after 20 years, what happens? They got your heart. You'll do anything for them. And that's how the Lord is with you. And that's the path of the cross. And the point is that when you know the way of Jesus and you embrace the way of the cross, you instinctively approach everything in life. And, th- and this is what makes a strong human being. You approach everything in life knowing there is, there is no shortcut in anything. There's nothing that I can do that's going to be easy in the end. And you embrace the hardship. You embrace it. And so as we uh, think about how this applies to our life, I, I want to I talk about application in two, in two ways. I want to talk about it on like the surface level. And then I want to I go deeper and talk about how that surface level sacrifice can be sustained throughout somebody's life through the gospel. And so here's what I want you to think about right now. Um, there are things that you are using in this life that give you immediate pleasure that you know maybe not, they're not the best thing for you, right? Um, I had a dear friend in, in Mississippi, country boy, by the name of Ben Haley. And uh, ben, ben Haley said one time, Steve, he's like, you know, you know, Matt, I can make a peanut butter M&M do exactly what I want it to do. Um, I love that. There are things in your life, um, and you know, technology makes this really, really easy, that basically encourages you not, not to fight like immediate pleasure all the time. Um, and I'm going to ask you a question, and if something comes up in your mind right now, in this moment, your tendency is going to be to like sweep it away really fast. And I, I don't want you to do it like hang on to it for just a few more seconds than you would normally hang on to it. Maybe even write it down. But um, what is the thing in your life that you know you need to cut back on? Hang on to it. Instead of feeling guilty about it just yet, um, begin to ask, mull it over. See it from a different angle, maybe. What is your heart doing with that thing? And I'm not even talking about substances. It could be worrying too much. It could be I look into the mirror too much. It could be I look at my bank account too much. I, I, I hate somebody too much. Whatever it is, think about it. Think about it. Mull it over. And here's what you do. Here's the first step to denying yourself to the path of the cross Tell someone about that thing. Speak to somebody about it. And it could, sound, it could sound like this. Hey, I need some help. I have a lot of debt, and I don't know how to stop buying stuff. I go on way too many vacations. I don't go on enough vacations. I am way, way too concerned about my appearance. I worry way too much about money. I worry way too much about my health. Invite somebody into that place of secrecy in your life that you don't want there and expose yourself with another human being. Now that's the surface. That's the first step to taking up your cross in community. The question is, 
how is that sustainable over the long haul? How do you keep it up? How do you keep going down that path? And I guarantee you, some of you in here, I can, I can see it in your eyes. I'm trying not to look at you too much because, <laughs> because I don't, yeah, I don't know what the Lord's doing. Um, some of you in here is like, I am not doing that at all. And some of you are like, I'm about to get to work. Yeah, I'm a, I can do that. Um, here's, what, here's what I want to tell you, and I want you to listen even more carefully to this than the first point of application. Let's say you never did a thing to deny yourself. Let's say you just indulged in that thing from, from this day to, to the end of your life. You just gave yourself to it. You gorged yourself on food or Amazon or sex. And let's say you, like Peter, um, fell on your face at the very worst moment when Jesus needed you the most. You know, Jesus taught them over and over again, I've got to suffer and I need you to be there for me. And Peter falls at the worst moment. They, they all, the, all the disciples disadvantaged Jesus to advantage themselves. And the reason why is because God wants to show you through the work of Christ that even if you, would, you were to never deny yourself for one moment, He still loves you. He still can't get enough of you that he still sees you as the perfection of Jesus Christ, who never, ever disadvantaged others for his own pleasure, ever. That when the Lord God sees you, he sees that. No matter how much you deny yourself, no matter how much you take up your cross, And the gospel says that if you could gain all the self-denial in the world, all the righteousness in the world outside of Christ, it wouldn't be enough. It would not be enough to bring you joy. Because what saves the soul, what saves the human soul, is to know that Jesus looks at you from the cross that he hung on and he says, Father, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And so forgive them. Cover them with my blood. That, y'all, that's when the atonement, the atonement means that Jesus' blood covers your sins. That's when the atonement captures the human heart. And you know it instinctively that this is actually the, the precise thing that I need. It's, it's actually the thing I want. I want somebody's perfect life to, to co- completely cover me. When that captures the human heart, you will deny yourself, but not to get anything from the Lord, but simply because it makes you more happy. It makes you more joyful. When you see the love of of Christ poured out on you, it constrains you, and as one hymn says, it turns duty into choice. This is what it means when the the God of all the, the universe breathes life into you. You begin to have a different functionality in your core motivations and you're like, I'm a Christian because like it's the best. It's not the best when I just completely indulge myself. That's actually the path of misery. And what it means is that the, the crosses that, that 
God will ask you to bear in this life. You don't have to like it, but what you do know is that at the end of it, there is always joy in the end. And the reason why is because Jesus doesn't lose, and he will not lose you. That's why he swallowed death for you. It's made, it, and when you see that in him, it, it makes us into, you know, cautiously grateful children. We don't know what God's going to ask us to do in this life. And so we're just like, uh, I, I trust that you're going you're gonna to help me. But, you know, there are cer- certain times where I'm not going to trust. And Jesus like, yeah, yeah, I know. But come on. I get you there. It's what changed the disciples into those who struggled so much with cowardice. And you can read about it in history. They faced their deaths with such such poise and, and such hope. And it's because of Christ's love. And so what I, I mean, as a, as a pastor, just what I want you always to, to come back to is that the Lord is not disappointed in you. He's just not. He's not. You don't have to get to work. You ain't got to get with it. Because Christ got with it. And we're with Him. And ironically, that does help us get with it for the long haul. But this is what Peter misunderstood. He's like, all right, we got you. We got a clear articulation of the gospel. Let's go. And then Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm more concerned with who you are as opposed to what you do, Peter. So, as you think about like dark, dark pat, pat, patches in our culture, maybe dark patches in your life, um, if, if this is true, what, what can Jesus do in the dark places except just shine even brighter the darker it gets? He can't lose. And he did that because he looks at you and, and he says, I, I want to endure the cross because you are my joy, son or daughter. You are worth it. He is what we're looking for. And so we can offer ourselves to him freely because he is where joy and life are found. And in the end, uh, he's the only thing that you won't ever lose. And he has the whole world in his hands. So um, as we think about this, this week, um, as we pray for the Spirit's presence in our midst, that He would um, continue to show us that the path of joy is very counterintuitive and that you can bear your own crosses um, in this life and this week and today. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come now back to confession and assurance as Steve leads us and we come back to your table and we think... Um, Lord, we think about your, your plight and your path. We imagine you hanging from the cross, that a terrible symbol of death, and looking at us and saying, I, my heart recoils in me because you love us, Lord. And so help each uh, person in this room get a taste of that, that love the gospel, the, the way of your kingship, which divests itself of glory so that you could rise again. 
And so, Lord, that we would not uh, that we would not avoid the crosses in our own life, that we would not avoid the, the silence of the holy Saturdays in our life, so that we can taste the goodness and sweetness of the resurrection. And so, come now, Lord, um, we are listening.